of housing in San Francisco, thousands of families and individuals struggle every day to meet this most basic human need. Each time someone loses the struggle against eviction and becomes homeless or is forced to leave the city, San Francisco loses a little more of the dignity and diversity that gives it its cherished spirit. Visit evictiondefense.org for more information. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. The Eviction Defense Fund Collaborative is the principal organization in the Labor and Love Show. I'm the B. Welcome. Got a good show for you this week, including uh, the general strike in France, justice for janitors, Eugene Victor Debs, Evergreen College. We've got uh, labor notes. We've got the Win Labor Report. Mr. Block will come and visit us. Um, that and a lot more. As always, music of social significance. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind Okay, Bob Dylan, of course, um, <clears throat> talking about the working kid's life. 20 years of schooling and they put you on the day shift. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Okay, we're uh, honoring today the people who have been victimized in the street by our own police, Louis Armstrong. The West End Blue.
Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Labor and Love. Um, we started off with one of our theme songs, Subterranean Homesick Blues, song of a working class kid. Get sick, get well, hang around the inkwell, don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. And we just had Louis Armstrong with his West End Blues, dedicated to all those young people men and women of color and everyone who's been a victim of our police. Louis' song in between the notes is telling us black lives matter. This is the B. Welcome to Labor and Love <clears throat> where we tell you how it is. We tell you that if one person got a dollar they didn't work for somebody else, probably a lot of somebody else's work for a dollar they didn't get. We tell you that if you don't have a seat at the table, that's the negotiating table, you're probably on the menu. And finally, never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. This is your show. This is your history, your present labor and love. But we've got a candidate. I mean, the time is coming for the presidential election, and it looks like Mrs. Clinton and Mr. Trump are going to be the respective nominees of the uh, big... Um, ruling class parties. Um, Mrs. Clinton is 
fraught with her own problems. She seems to be uh, perfectly okay with expanding the wars that President Bush and Mr. Obama have gotten us into. She seems to be fine with uh, dealing with Wall Street. Uh, disturbing news is that Mrs. Clinton and Mr. Trump are uh, associates uh, attending one another's weddings and events. Mrs. Clinton is every bit a creature of Washington and the power elite as Mr. Trump. Maybe a little less uh, odious, I don't know. In Mr. Trump, we have a candidate who's a marketable, um, he's a commodity. He's developed himself as a commodity. His power, his original power came from a reality show. And uh, his off-the-cuff remarks and his tough guy attitude. Uh, a businessman, okay? We need to keep that in mind. All working people need to keep that in mind. Mr. Trump has made his fortune on the backs of working people. Uh, but you can imagine, let's say you can imagine, you know, him getting together with his people to uh, fashion campaign. Here's another politician in the past who had trouble with his, uh, his public image as presented by Lenny Bruce. If I should win the nomination, I will win, yes. Uh, and if I become a candidate, I believe I will be nominated. Naturally, uh, that's a self-serving statement and intended to be so. Uh, but, but you can, uh, but, but I, I am convinced that the man who, event, who survives... Nixon, he hung out with Eisenhower too long. My mental dictionary and my own thoughts are not, not as well coordinated as they were once. Eisenhower... He never took his clothes off. I can never, he never went to the toilet. He just stood there. Those who have lost elections in the past have come back to win. I hope to come back to win. That's why he'll never make it. You know that in your heart. He can't make it. I can win. Can I win? Uh, I hope to win. I must demonstrate. I must hope to come back to win. But I can win. I can do the job. Seal, send in Nixon. <laughs> Nick, sweetie, sit down, baby. Ah, oh, has he cute? Has a black curly head, devil? Uh, get some of that twelve-year-old scotch over here. Little Havana, huh, baby? Uh, sweetie, what's going on? Yeah. Don't put me on. It. Nobody's putting you on, no? How'd you like to go to Lebanon? Uh, why don't you stop? Like, I don't want to go on any more trips. You did great in Caracas. Are you kidding? They hated 
hated me there. They spit at me. They hate me. They threw rocks at me. A few squares who didn't dig your rabble rouses. I don't want to go anywhere. Create a monster, is that what I did? The boy I helped capture teeth. I don't want to be ungrateful or anything like that. I just, I don't, I don't, you know, if I did good in one place, you know. You did good in Biloxi. I don't want to go. Why? They just don't like me, that's all. It's something about my hair, I think. Want me to tell you the truth? What? They liked you at your old lady, Pat. <laughs> That's it. Everybody dug you. It's her. She overdresses. <laughs> Besides, who brings their wife on a trip? <laughs> You'll go. You're not even going to fly tours this time. Lenny Bruce with his version of a, a PR man talking to Richard Nixon. <clears throat> and as I had remarked, uh, Mr. Trump is a completely commodified candidate who seems to appeal to the basest part of us, to the racist uh, part of us, to the greediest part of us, to the uh, harmful, destructive machismo that's really... uh, hurting us here, pitting us against one another. Who to vote for? I don't know. Who's going to lead us to socialism? Who's going to who's going to talk about socialism and posit socialism as a real possibility in the United States? Uh, we have a lot of institutions that could be called socialist. We just never call them that. Any kind of public utility or publicly owned institution, the fire department, uh, the U.S. mail service at one time before it was quote-unquote privatized, Um, any kind of thing that our tax money pays for. So in a way, we have socialism for corporations. You know, they can, as they've demonstrated, they can do whatever they want and get away with it and have us pay for it. So they're on, they're on the public dole. Anyway, Mr. Sanders has taken his fight now. He's going to take his fight to the Democratic National Committee. And um, we'll see what happens there. If he can uh, make uh, the platform a little more progressive... Will that matter much? Probably not. What we need to do as Sanders supporters is go down ticket and start organizing at a local level or a localer level. Uh, Elect people to Congress and to the Senate who will further Mr. Sanders' goals and uh, not get us involved any further in egregious wars. The Wall Street Journal took on uh, Mr. Obama because Mr. Obama would not say Muslim terrorists or he wouldn't say radical Islam or he wouldn't say something that Mr. Trump 
dared him to say. And of course, the Wall Street Journal in its editorials doesn't or can't understand how this whole thing started. This whole thing started with an adventurous war with a campaign by the uh, ruling corporations to get control of Middle Eastern oil. The fact that there are now people, you know, like the horrible thing that happened in Orlando and San Bernardino, there are people who are striking back, terrorists. But we need to make sure we don't get into any more adventurous wars like this that prompt such response. Someone can go down the street in Syria and say and seriously believe that America hates Islam. Well, that's not the case. America doesn't hate Islam. America is certainly could be seen and construed as hating Islam. And there certainly are a lot of Americans who do hate Islam. But that's not us. Anyway, let's get on with uh, something here and get off the editorializing. This is Win Weekend Review, sort of a collection of labor actions throughout the United States. Workers Independent News. Workers Independent News Week in Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. Roughly 10,000 National Nurses United nurses in three states will strike this Sunday, June 19th. California, Minnesota, and Massachusetts nurses are striking over health care, staffing, and patient safety issues. Angela Bacchetti is an RN at Abbott Northwestern Hospital in Minnesota. She says the top issue for nurses there is a demand from Alina Health to eliminate the Minnesota Nurses Association health insurance plan and replace it with a high-deductible, high-out-of-pocket costs plan. It's very concerning, and the nurses are upset that we have to come to this point. But ultimately, we want to try to protect our patients and advance our practice. The AFL-CIO endorsed Hillary Clinton for president Thursday as she vowed to be a workers' champion in the White House. Bernie Sanders hasn't yet endorsed Clinton, but he is urging his supporters to do all they can to make certain Donald Trump doesn't become president. The latest polls show Clinton leading Trump. They have been violating the law in many locations, and there are charges being filed in many locations, which have resulted in unfair labor practice strikes throughout the country. Teamsters Vice President Steve Verma talking about U.S. foods. Teamsters Local 355 is on strike against U.S. foods. Verma says the problems with U.S. foods go way beyond the Baltimore, Maryland area where the strike started. What has been happening throughout the nation is the company is trying to lowball their contract offers on wages, trying to get them to pick up higher premium costs as a result of the failed merger between Cisco and U.S. Foods. The union representing Los Angeles Unified School Workers is fighting to get some 10,000 employees included in the district's health care plan. Ernesto Arce has more from Los Angeles. Teachers assistants, after-school caregivers, and playground supervisors were among those who protested outside Los Angeles Unified headquarters, asking that the Board of Education reconsider health care coverage for 10,000 employees who were denied benefits. Max Arias, executive director of SEIU Local 99, said the union heeded calls from the workers who he says deserve what all other 
other district employees were offered. They have to make a decision whether to put food on their table at times or whether to buy medication for the children. These are families during the summer that don't have jobs and they don't have health care either. Sitting at the table negotiating, telling us, you know, what a great plant it is and how the workers are good and everything's fine. And then, bang, they say, oh, by the way, uh, there's going to be an acquisition. You know, they're going to merge in with Molson's and we're going to shut down this brewery. David Lawton, director of the Teamsters Brewery and Soft Drink Conference, describing the shock of being told that the Eden Brewery in North Carolina is being shut down. 500 good jobs gone by September. The Teamsters are urging Attorney General Roberta Lynch to reject any remedy for the merger of Anheuser-Busch InBev with SAB Miller that does not address the Eden Brewery closing. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. And finally, I want to, uh, you know, suggest that, that we think about the larger picture, um, the assault against affirmative action, the increasing conservatism. You know, I, I, th I don't think I'm going to forget the way those uh, buildings that, the, that focus on the family complex look for a long time. I mean, that is, that is amazing. Uh, that is amazing. And it's not that, that we don't want to focus on um, our families. But the family is used in this um, ideological way. I mean, who is the real family, right? The real family is generally nuclear. Um, um, the father works. The mother's supposed to stay at home and be a good wife and mother. So the single mother is not a, and her children, they don't count as a family. Um, there's a great deal of homophobia that is implied by that particular construction of the family. Uh, so that gays and lesbians who have families don't have, quote, real families, according to uh, these uh, people over there on the hill. Um, so, you know, I don't, I believe, I truly believe that those who are really committed to the kind of conservative politics that is messing up our lives today are the, major of the minority of people in this country. Oh, that was a slip. I hope that, uh, <laughs> I mean, they look like the majority. But that's because the rest of us are relatively silent. And I want to urge every single one of you who have come out to uh, participate in this community building moment to think very deeply about what you can do to make a difference. Thank you very much. Okay, we had the workers independent news followed by a statement from Angela Y. Davis asserting that we are the majority. Those of us with a progressive agenda, those working people who are looking to confront capital and make their lives better. We are in the majority. And what Angela Davis says is 
break the silence, speak up, get to work somewhere, try to make things better. Angela Y. Davis, for many, many years now, a voice for labor, for incarcerated people, for uh, anti-globalization, the worst parts of globalization. Angela Davis. Here's Radio Labor, a world look at what's happening in the labor movement. getting it. Try it one more time here. This is uh, Radio Labor. Not working. Okay, well, let's move on. This one is called The American Dream, Killer Mike, Bernie supporter. Sociopath flipping birds, the same mind state it takes to build a Bilderberg or an Enron or any other Bitcoin that could fleece a million people out of billions. I'm trying to get a cheaper price, you know, a bigger bag. Mexican work, how American is that? As American is steering in a German car, fucking a Russian chick snorting coke from Colombia. Colombia, 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 Colombia. This next jam right here is called Trabajador, Trabadora. It's a working people song. We dedicate this to our parents, all the people worked 
that allowed for us to be here today. So this is for you, Mama. Ancestors whose hard work paved the way into each one of you out there doing 
and our creator too. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So thank you. Cafeteras live in Studio 1A here. Yay, that was awesome. Venceremos, no nos moverán, 
don't know some of it on there by La Rondaya Amerindia de Aztlan. No nos moverán. They will not move us. As long as we grab the truth and hold to it. What uh, Mahatma Gandhi called Satyagraha. Hold on to the truth. Before that, Las Cafeteras and their tribute to their parents who worked so hard so they could get where they got. And uh, Killer Mike with his uh, scathing indictment of what's called uh, the American dream. The American dream for whom? Okay, now we got the World Labor Report. News from all over the world about working people and their campaigns. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, June 17th, 2016. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, a UN agency calls for greater regulation of global supply chains. Truck drivers need unions so they can win decent working conditions. Millions of domestic workers should have their rights respected with labor laws. The ILO calls for renewed efforts in support of social justice. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. One of the most significant organizations in the world fighting for social justice is the International Labor Organization. The ILO is the UN specialized agency focused on matters of work in the world. It operates as a tripartite organization led by representatives from governments, employer groups, and labor unions. In its 97-year history, it has created a number of resolutions and declarations about social justice to guide its one 187 member states. In 2008, it adopted a declaration on social justice for a fair globalization. This year, at its annual conference in Geneva, the ILO adopted a resolution to update the declaration. I talked to Magnus Nordahl about the update. Mr. Nordahl is the chief lawyer for the Icelandic Confederation of Labor. He led the labor union members on the ILO committee, which updated the declaration. I asked him what, in the context of the ILO, is meant by social justice. Social justice means that we create a society that makes absolutely sure that we all share the benefits of the progress that we make, that it is a just share of, of, of the progress we make. But it also means more. It means that we recognize that we are not all maybe equipped to get the full, to, to get the most out of our full potential, use our full potential. So if we can't do that for some reason, we fall sick or we are not born in the circumstances that creates uh, a good and a clear pathway to education, to good health, whatever, we need 
to create a system of justice which says, okay, we are born equal and we should help each other. That's in essence is social justice. June 16th is International Domestic Workers Day, a day established by the United Nations to publicize the often abysmal working conditions of millions of household workers around the world. Radio Labor senior correspondent Seamary Ainsborough reports. There are more than 67 million domestic workers in the world, and at least 80% of these workers are women. More than 11 million are migrant workers. And about 17 million children are believed to be trapped in domestic work, many in conditions of forced labor. Unions around the world use June 16th, International Domestic Workers Day, as a reminder that many domestic workers face long working hours, no time off work, sexual abuse, and low pay. A partial answer to these problems, say labor activists, is for countries to adopt Convention 189 of the International Labor Organization. The ILO is the UN agency focused on matters of work in the world. It establishes international standards of employment in suggested legislation called conventions. If adopted by a country, a convention becomes part of the nation's legal infrastructure. Known as C-189, the Convention on Domestic Work would give domestic workers the same right as other workers in the country, such as minimum wages and time off work. Myrtle Whitbuy is the president of the International Domestic Workers Federation. Uh, many countries that I'm visiting don't actually have proper national labor laws. And I think in one way the convention can help to, to actually push that government to have proper national laws. In the other way, like we look at countries that do have national laws, it can actually strengthen our debate and our negotiations with our government. Because now what's happening is that if my government has put something on hold, I can actually now say to my government that no, sorry, you know, the ILO convention is saying that and why are you putting things on hold? So I think the, con the, the convention is becoming a strong weapon and it's also becoming a negotiation weapon. At the same time, it's also becoming a capacity building weapon because what you're doing now, when you go out there and speak to domestic workers, you don't just speak to them about the labor laws, you're trying to explain to them what is convention one at night. Of course, you will find many domestic workers they don't even know what you're talking about. But when you talk to them about labor laws, and then you said, that is Convention 189. So I think that the Convention 189 has become a strong instrument, it has become a strong tool, and it's also give voice to our voices. So, but only, the problem is this, if I don't understand Convention 189, if I don't know what has happened at the ILO, if I don't know what's happening in my country, it will only be a weapon in the employer's end. And that is what we have to take forward in this next five years, is that it becomes my weapon, it becomes my voice, it is not the voice of my employer. Reporting for Radio Labor, I'm Seamary Ainsborough. The ILO has started procedures towards developing a legal standard to help the millions of workers in global supply chains. The organization estimates that there are more than 450 million workers in the supply chains. Millions more are employed but not reported. One of these sectors most affected by global supply chain work is the transportation industry. And so I talked to Igor Nosar. Mr. Nosar from Australia works with the International Transport Workers Federation. The ITF has more than 700 unions with 4.5 million members. I interviewed Mr. Nosar during the ILO conference held in Geneva May 30th to June 10th. I asked him what sort of problems transport workers face. 
There are many, and they're very serious, but if I can strip it right down to the basics, truck drivers drive long hours. If they're in long-haul transport, driving long distances, it's often with little or interrupted sleep, and uh, they're all the time being pushed by commercially powerful client customers to go faster, be less expensive, and uh, to undercut everybody else. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labour Star correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the more than 2,300 stories our volunteers collected in the last week. Our top stories section included links to news about the ongoing struggle in France over neoliberal changes to that country's labour laws, a look back at five years of work by the International Domestic Workers Federation, and of course we covered the ceremony which saw Labour Start awarded the Svensson Prize for our work in support of global labour rights. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. South African firefighters working in Canada downed tools when it was revealed that they were working for $15 a day while their Canadian co-workers were making $26 an hour. Truckers in Argentina parked their vehicles for a day to back their demand for a wage increase causing widespread fuel shortages. And at the same time, air traffic controllers occupied that country's airport control towers as they escalated their long-standing wage dispute. Parts of Nigeria faced fuel shortages as refinery workers struck last Saturday and public sector workers continued their strike in an effort to force the payment of wages owed to them for months, as did Nigerian doctors. A logistics company in the United States continued its lockout of warehouse workers last week. In India, electricity workers were backing their demand for job security with rallies and marches, while on the same day, police attacked a march by teachers demanding a pay rise. And in Sri Lanka, postal workers began a work-to-rule action in support of their bargaining demands. Stories collected on our Working Women page included the government's decision to veto proposed legislation introducing paid parental leave in New Zealand, the role of hyper-exploited women in global supply chains, and the workplace discrimination suffered by Japanese women who chose to have children. Our health and safety newswire carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the effects of constant monitoring on delivery workers in the USA and the campaign to reduce the exposure Maltese workers have to hazardous chemicals. Currently, Labor Start is running seven online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, there's our labor reports. We had uh, Win Labor <clears throat> talking about actions here in the U.S. And what you just heard, of course, was Radio Labor World Report. And one of the things they mentioned was the general strike in France. This is uh, Labor Notes.
strikes sweep France opposing labor law cutbacks. Just as the tourist season is starting in France, strikes are preventing half the trains from running. Fuel is in short supply as workers blockade oil refineries. The news is full of riots, burning tires, and police <clears throat> attacking demonstrators. Labor, labor reforms proposed by quote-unquote socialist president President Francois Hollande would increase the number of hours employees could be expected to work, reduce overtime pay, make it easier to lay off workers and undo certain national rights such as maternity leave. <clears throat> Basically what the government is trying to do is take away rights that are guaranteed by law national law and make them <clears throat> make them part of negotiations between uh, companies and workers in other words you are no longer guaranteed <clears throat> maternity paternity leave by the government it becomes a matter of negotiation between you and your employer. And of course, with all the uh, advantages, the pro-employer bias uh, pretty much means that you're giving up those rights. You have to fight for them again. Remember, workers have fought for all these things. And now what's happening is they're forced to go back again and fight for them again. French unions strike more often than their American counterparts, but the current strikes are larger and have more public support than usual because the legislation they oppose would so drastically change French work life. A 35-hour week, job security, and overtime premiums of 25% to 50% are among the items that are considered basic worker rights, guaranteed by national law. Under the proposed law changes, these rights would no longer be guaranteed. Instead, employers would negotiate them with unions or with individual non-union workers. In the case of overtime premiums, the employer would be allowed to negotiate down to as little as 10%. Employers would also be allowed to lay off employees without showing evidence of economic need and to pay less severance than was previously required. Unemployment is already 10% in France. It's a Radio Labor website, and um, Radio Labor goes on to mention, I'm sorry, not Radio Labor, Labor Notes goes on to mention the solid support that the strikers have with the public at large. The public at large, after all, is working people, no? Where this uh, divide comes, I don't know. We constantly read about how 
unions and working people are losing support of the general public or getting you know more popular in the eyes of the general public well who's the general public working class people and their families strike sweep france okay i want to get a little personal here for a minute we're getting up to the 11 o'clock hour and i want to play a song from my soulmate sylvia ramirez and i want to play a song for my beautiful daughter Vita Castaneda Morgan. So just indulge me here for a minute. This is for Sylvia to me. niña de largos silencios y ya me querías bien tu mirada buscaba la mía jugabas a ser mujer 
Pocos años ganados al tiempo, vestidos con otra piel. Y mi vida que nada esperaba, también te quería vivir. Te extrañaba ya tanto que al no verte a mi lado ya soñaba con volverte a ver. Y entre tanto te estaba inventando de niña mujer. Y esa niña de largos silencios volaba tan alto que mi mirada quería alcanzarla y no la podía ver. La paraba en el tiempo pensando que no debería crecer. Pero el tiempo me estaba engañando, mi niña se hacía mujer. La quería ya tanto que al partir de mi lado ya sabía que la iba a perder. Y es que el alma le estaba cambiando de niña a mujer. La quería ya tanto que al partir de mi lado ya sabía que la iba a perder. Es que el alma le estaba cambiando de niña a mujer. That last one was um, Julio Iglesias, who's not a regular on this show, but uh, that beautiful song, De Niña Mujer, from girl to woman. Wonderful thing to watch if you're a father, if you're not a father. Um, so, tomorrow's Father's Day, and... That one was dedicated to my daughter, Vita. And the one before was, You Turn Me On, I'm a Radio, by Joni Mitchell, dedicated to my wife and soulmate, Sylvia Ramirez. Okay, how about some griping now? Here's Lenny Bruce griping about why communism doesn't provide uh, an alternative and uh, we can certainly criticize what he has to say um, when we're done. System in all the world. The system starts here. I get 90 and my mother and father hug and kiss me. Did so good, he got 90. But that 90 don't mean 
unless you got a 20. Unless you got a 20, and if I'm not a nut, if 90 gets me loving and kissing, I hope you get 20, man. And if my 90 isn't worth screve quandary, forget it. I gotta hope you fail. But later on, I really jive myself and say, uh, good, may the best man win. <laughs> may the best man your ass, man. I'm gonna win out and get my kissing and hugging. Yeah, competitive system. Capitalism is the last of the exploiting systems. And socialism opens up the vast vistas of human progress, free from the ball and chain of exploitation of man by man. It's a pain in the ass. Because communism, <laughs> see, they're really schmucks. They got the wrong thing. Not because they're closing the churches. The churches are gone anyway. The churches did themselves in. Just a few altars hanging on. The hang-up with communism is that a capitalist system allows you f this kind of free enterprise. That if I go, well, I, well this, this kind of free enterprise, if some chick bugs me out there, really bugs me, I can resolve the whole conflict with your tub of shit, madam, good night. This chick can have me arrested, and perhaps for using scatological reference, and that's about all. Or the May Company analogy. She's the president of the May Company. You can't come to the May Company anymore because you call me a tub of shit. Or I don't go to the May Company, I'll go to Bullets. Communism is like one big phone company. I'm screwed. All right, you phone company, I'm fed up with your crap. I'm going where, putz? To the other phone company, wherever you go. To the Dixie Cup and the Thread phone company. Hello, 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 hello. Lenny Bruce talking about uh, competition. And um, he nails it at the very beginning. We, we live in a system where for some of us to do well, a lot of us have to do poorly. Some of us get 90s and hugs and kisses. Some of us get 20s. And in the system, those are the quote-unquote losers. And then he mentions the possibility of, <clears throat> of a problem with uh, an institution, such as a corporation like the May Company, and how under capitalism there's a competing place uh, Bullocks, for example. And then he can go there. What he's missing out on is that Bullocks and the May Company are both pretty much the same. And what, what he's taking out of the equation is activism. If you don't like the way you're being served by your government or by some institution... You need to organize against it. You need to get other people like you who are of a like mind to take it on. We're talking about places like Walmart. Now, a useful strategy in places like Walmart might be to tell people, go shop at Target. Target has gone on record as being in support of LGBT people in this ridiculous, ridiculous debate about bathrooms. I mean, where have people been going to the bathroom all this time? Is there a rash of crimes committed by queer people against people who are just innocently using the bathroom? I don't think so. I haven't noticed it if there is. But, uh, these people who I can only categorize as ignorant until I talk to them and see 
what the problem is. As far as I'm concerned, uh, what we're talking about is a strike against LGBT people. People who are still unwilling to to grant that LGBT people are people. They have personal lives. They have wishes and desires. It's like everybody else. They're more alike us than unalike us. But this is the right wing, the, the diehards trying to hold on to this country that never really existed. You know, a male-dominated, pretty much all-white uh, paradise for working people? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Mr. Trump wants us to believe that. Okay, well, here's Jonathan Winters and part of his working experience with the Super Service Station and then his experience in the Marine Corps. Jonathan Winters. I worked at a lot of jobs before I left Ohio, and um, in one of the jobs I did, I was working in a filling station, worked in the city service station to be exact, and uh, it was on Route 40. That's very exact. And I remember uh, because all I did was change tires on semis, which is a real thrill. And it makes it a little tough to ride bicycles on Saturday, but, um, and you know, we had a typical little station, all kinds of jazz around there and a tired gum machine, dog with an infected ear, and then we had a cooler, a hot pop, you know. I tell you, if you've ever driven along, and you probably have, got here somehow, unless you flew in, um, it's funny, you know, when you pull in, you ask a guy, we used to get this all the time, you'd say, uh, say, buddy, how far is it to uh, Route 35? And the guy looks at you for a minute, and he says, Route 35. You know right away he isn't in this world. But you stay there. I always do. And he says, Route 35. Oh, God, let's see. I tell you what you do. Are you familiar with these parts? No, no, I've never been here in my life, and I'll never come again. I have my word on that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, which way is your machine faced? It's on the other side of the road there. Okay. You get down here about 100 miles, a good 100 miles, and turn right, and then uh, make a hard left, or left and a hard right, either one. You got to. There's a great big development in there blowing up the whole area. My brother's blew up the other day. Didn't hurt him, didn't hurt him. <laughs> Then you go over this orange bridge. It was named for veterans or something. They're painting that silver this year. It's orange last year, rust or something. Then you go on down there. Oh, God, I don't really know where it is. I just know it. You know where it is, Elmer? I don't know. He doesn't know. He's working on that thing. But I, uh, I worked on this, in this gas station. Also worked in Howard Johnson's. That's a real thrill. Oh, boy, 8,000 people there on a weekend, you know. It's terrible. I, you see a lot, I saw a guy, a wild scene one day. I thought he was a choreographer. And there was a long line, and this clown was jump, jumping up and down. Is anybody in there? How about it? He comes 700 miles, you know, without stopping. This guy was under pressure, you know. And he, How about it, buddy? Then the poor devil got in there, because I followed him in. And he had a dollar on him, and he couldn't break it. Couldn't break it. Killing him. Give me $100 if you let me in there. I don't have a damn dime for that machine. Can I give you $100? Anything. $200. Let me in there. Finally, the guy slid under. Right there. 
own, passing bunnies for the sport page and this trash. But, um, well, of course, if you cross the turnpike, go over in the woods, the deer watch you, you know, which is bad. <laughs> Nothing worse than them deer looking at you, you know. And if they don't, the state highway patrol, what's going on there? What are you doing, buddy? Oh, yeah. Bad scene. Shore patrol caught me twice. I was on a cliff, too, no bug bugging anybody. But, um, at any rate, this is a little scene was Smiley Super Service Station. And he was a stickler for slogans. One slogan being, the customer's always right. Had big placards up all over the place. And one day we had a new fellow join our outfit, a fellow by the name of Barley Hops. And as I look back, it was his first and only tragic day. There he was in a crisp white uniform, and his first customer was a woman driver in the latest type automobile with all the latest gadgets on it. And above all, it was her first day at the wheel. I hate to bother you, mess. I was wondering if you'd pull your machine up this way a little piece. The reason I say that is because that front tar is resting on my foot. It's all right, it's all right. I was wondering if you'd pull your machine back this way a little piece. The reason I say that is because that other tar is resting on my other foot. It's all right, it's all right. I wasn't on my toes. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking. Would you want to release your hood? I say, <laughs> sure straightened my day up. <laughs> Would you want to cut your machine off, miss, so I can check that oil or water in the back? <laughs> cut off, honey. <laughs> Boy, I'm right now. <laughs> Would you want to bring your window down, lady? I say, hey, Smiley, she's got a pair of them electrical windows. Do you want to bring the window down, lady? <laughs> Boy, that'll be blue tomorrow. Boy, that's smart. Whew. Would you want to bring your machine back this way toward the air pump and I'll fill them tars? That's right, honey. Gonna come in. Go! <laughs> Smiley, tell her, take it back. She's been again the pump. Take it back, miss. <laughs> I took a breath out of me there, ma'am. I was wondering if you'd do me a favor and get out of your machine and stand over there where I can see you. That's good, right there on the incline, don't move. How much gas do you want? A gallon's worth. It's all right, it's all right, customer's always right. Oh, don't light up that cigarette. No, the reason I say that is because a gasoline truck pulled in here a while back and spilled some gas. All right, lady! What do you mean, what do I do with your machine? You come down to that tree this very instant and pay that gallon's worth of gas. in school in mathematics I always failed it I, occasionally I see books on stands you know mathematics can be fun I burn them I burn them and I well I flunked play class that's a pretty bad start you know when you can't make a bunny you know just put the ears on the thing and I got into manual training almost lost my hand there it is <clears throat> trying to make a tie rack simple little thing couldn't read the ruler cut the thing down to that size I thought it was good for a bow tie but the manual training guy didn't have any sense of humor you know then I tried making a broom handle. Those were the two things. All we had to do a whole semester. I couldn't make either one of them. So I quit, finally. Terrible thing to admit. 
But I was 17, I quit high school, because I knew it was failing. I got out before the report cards. Just knew it. You know, when you're sentenced to a blackboard and everybody's, <laughs> So, I went to my mother and I said, I've enlisted in the Marines. And she's, wonderful, honey, oh, God bless you. And uh, pushed me out, practically. My dad just shook hands, go get him, tiger. <laughs> yeah, dad, sure. So I went down to the post office. And there were all kinds of signs around, we need you, you know, enlist now, help us, slip of the lip and the trip and all that stuff. So um, a lot of guys carrying, you know, record albums around with them, chewing gum, some guys had a little juice in the back pocket. So I walked up into this post office and uh, I passed by the Air Force. I knew I couldn't, I was going to be in the Air Force, I figured I'd be a flyer. But uh, then I knew I couldn't taxi the thing around on the ground, let alone, you know, get it off. So I ended up in the Marines and there was sort of a Neanderthal type of man there. He was sitting there and he was uh, a gunny, three up and two down. And he had a little dog with him, with three up and two down, which I thought was a little strange. I didn't know who to salute. And uh, later on I found out he was the leader, but at the time I was confused, you know. And he said, come in, buddy, husky fella. And I said, no, not yet. Can't have me, I'm a civilian, I knew my rights, you know. And he fought me a little while and he said, get in here. And I did, and I moved. Because I saw the dog sort of growling a little. So we listened to the records of South Pacific and uh, I read a book full of numbers, 36, 12, 19, 5, a lot of little dots. I knew it wasn't colorblind because it made all the lights coming down. And um, then a little eye chart, you know, and did some silly, and then he showed me some risque pictures of, uh, some pictures he had on. He captured off a Japanese soldier, and then I showed him some. Shook his day up pretty good. And um, then he said, take off your clothes, which was where I stopped, folks because I'd never undressed in front of a 42-year-old man. I was a little shaky about that, you know, living in the garage most of my life. And uh, being the only child, oh, I played intramural ball, you know, YMCA, but that's organized, that's organized, you know. Coach don't stand there, he goes on out, he dresses in his own place. Well, I had sort of a breakaway suit on, I was naked. And it was cold, wind whistling through me there, you know. And I got up on these Toledo scales and I was checking in pretty good. And I happened to turn around and I saw this dog staring at me. I don't know if you've ever undressed in front of a dog. It's the wildest. You know they can't talk, but it's the way they look at you. You know that? <laughs> then he wagged his tail, you know, went out and told his friends what he'd seen, which I did. <laughs> then I coughed and I was in. <clears throat> I had a little, little laryngitis, you know. Next thing I know is parasite, and I don't want to bore you with that because I was bored myself. I almost lost my skull down there. Then they uh, airlifted us, which was something new. Normally it took a train, but they figured they wanted to get rid of us quick. And we went right on out this way, over the mountains and everything else. And uh, we practiced uh, sticking dummies for about an hour. And then the next thing I knew, we were in the Pacific. And I was an enlisted man, we weren't allowed to know anything, but I could tell by the air. And I knew it was warm and the ocean was kind of flat. And it was sort of like being, you know, a PFC in Columbus, you know, just sort of looking around. And um, as I look back, I can see Lieutenant Matthews now. Oh, I can see Lieutenant Matthews now. Good morning, gentlemen, good morning. Most of you should be familiar with my face, name, and rank by now. I'm Lieutenant Matthews, first Lieutenant Matthews. Don't ever forget it. I didn't spend 10 years in college for nothing. Cost my family plenty. And now to get on with this chart. Most of you people are familiar with the chart, right? It's a great deal like a map. This is the island Tulufu, a mile and a half wide, over three and a half miles long. Over 1,500 Japs on that island. Should give you some brief idea of what you'll be up against tomorrow when you disembark. I'd hope to be able to go with you. But they need me here. However, I shall be observing some 5,000 yards off through heavy lenses. 
That's all, people. Gunnery Sergeant Greider, I think, have a few words. Tell Don, then, gentlemen. Okay, Jonathan Winters there with his take on uh, working at a gas station, described a couple of jobs that he'd had, and then uh, working in the Marine Corps. Um, if there's any uh, job where there's a clear top-down um, power, power flows from the top down, absolute uh, Absolute obedience, it's the, it's the service. I want to talk now about Evergreen College. Okay, Evergreen College is kind of leading the way with a couple of initiatives about issues that are important to any working person. On May 31st, we're at this is the socialistworker.org website. On May 31st, 2016, students at the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington, voted overwhelmingly to approve resolutions in support of freedom and equality for Palestinians, as well as labor justice for migrant workers at Sakuma Brothers Farm in northern Washington. Three resolutions. One, condemn the presence of caterpillar equipment on campus. Two, de-shelve Sabra hummus. And three, prohibit the use of Sakuma Brothers berries at campus dining facilities. The support for these three resolutions was overwhelmingly. 67% voted for caterpillar resolutions. 74% for deshelving Sabra and an impressive 84.7% supported the Sakuma ban. Both Caterpillar and Sabra are complicit in Israeli apartheid and occupation. Caterpillar sells armored bulldozers to the Israeli Defense Force to conduct illegal house demolitions in Palestinian territories. The rumor is Rachel Corey, a, a young woman who was demonstrating in Palestine and was run over by a caterpillar. Uh, the implication is that Caterpillar was the company that made the tractor. Uh, one of Sabra's parent corporations, Strauss Group, provides material support to elite units of the Israeli Defense Force, such as the Golani and Givadi brigades which are infamous for human rights abuses, including during Israel's latest assault on Gaza. Sakuma Brothers Farm is notorious for its exploitative labor practices against a largely immigrant workforce, paying poverty wages in deplorable conditions. Okay, so there are some people who are standing up, ready to be counted. Remember, you're only alone when you don't stand up for what you believe. When you don't stand up as a working person against the corporate state. When you don't stand up 
for your working class brothers and sisters against the people who exploit them and exploit you. This is something that came from uh, Malcolm um, Muhammad Ali's funeral, and uh, it includes a statement by um, Malcolm X's daughter, and uh, she cites something that Muhammad Ali said at the funeral. She says, or she read. Muhammad Ali, we all have the same God. We just serve him differently. Rivers, lakes, ponds, streams, oceans all have different names, but they all contain water. So do religions have different names, and yet they all contain truth. Truth expressed in different ways and forms and time doesn't matter whether you're a Muslim a Christian or a Jew. When you believe in God, you should believe all people are part of one family. For if you love God, you can't love only some of his children. Atala Shabazz, Ambassador Atala Shabazz goes on to say, his words and mighty and certain the ideals shared by both, both Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali tell us the same thing. Love is a mighty thing. Devotion is a mighty thing. And truth always reigns. Having Muhammad Ali in my life somehow sustained my dad's breath for me just a little longer. 51 years longer until now. I am forever grateful that our union on this earth together allowed for me to have a continuum of shared understanding, preserved confidentialities, and the comfort of living in his hometown of Louisville, Kentucky for the past six years. This was not a plan, and mostly for my gift of knowing and loving his wife and children forever forward as my own family. Know that. My dad would often state when concluding or parting from one another, may we meet again in the light of understanding. And I say that to you with the light of that compass by any means necessary. Words of Malcolm X's daughter and Muhammad Ali given at the recent funeral of Muhammad Ali. Here from Cisco Houston now, the tramp, remembering Ralph Chaplin's line, when you do away with the tramp or the hobo, you do away with the rich man, the tramp. If you all will shut your trap, I will tell you about a chap who was broken up against a two-for-fair. He was not the kind of shirk, he was looking hard for work, and he heard the same old story everywhere. Tramp, 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 keep on a-trampin', there's nothing doing here for you. 
if I catch you round again, you will wear the ball and chain. So just keep on trapping the best thing you can do. He walked up and down the street till the shoes fell off his feet. In a house he spied a lady making stew. And he said, how do you do? Can I chop some wood for you? What the lady told him made him feel quite blue. She said, tramp, 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 keep on a tramping. Nothing doing here for you. And if I see you round again, you will wear the ball and chain. So just keep on trampin'. That's the best thing you can do. Across the street, a sign he read, work for Jesus, so it said. And he said, here is my chance, I'll surely try. And he knelt upon the floor till his knees got mighty sore. But at eating time, he heard the preacher cry. Tramp, 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 keep on a tramping. Nothing doing here for you. Well, if I catch you round again, you will wear the ball and chain. So just keep on trapping the best thing you can do. Down the street he met a cop, and the copper made him stop. And he asked him, when did you blow into town? Come with me up to the judge, but the judge he said, oh fudge, bums that have no money needn't come around. So it's tramp, 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 keep on a tramping. There's nothing doing here for you. And if I catch you round again, you will wear the ball and chain. So just keep on tramping the best thing you can do. Finally came that happy day when his life did pass away. He was sure to go to heaven when he died. When he reached that pearly gate, Santa Peter mean old skate slammed the gate right in his face and loudly cried. Tramp, 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 keep on a tramping. Nothing doing here for you. If I catch you round again, you will wear the ball and chain. So just keep on tramping the best thing you can do. In despair he went to hell with a devil for to dwell For the reason he'd no other place to go And he said, I'm full of sin, so for Christ's sake let me in But the devil said, oh beat it, you're a bow Tramp, 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 keep on a tramping Nothing doing here for you If I catch you round again, you will wear the ball and Just keep on tramping the best thing you can do Yes, it's tramp, 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 keep on a-tramping. There's nothing doing here for you. And if I catch you round again, you will wear the ball and chain. So just keep on tramping, that's the best thing you can do. True blues ain't no new news about who's been abused. For the blues is old, my stolen soul.
solid as a rock is a common worker and his name is Mr. Block and Block he thinks he may be president someday oh Mr. Block you were born by mistake you take the cake you make me ache tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake can he do that for liberty's sake Yes, Mr. Block is lucky. He found a job by G. The shark got seven dollars for job and fare and fee. They shipped him to a desert and dumped him with his truck. But when he tried to find his job, he sure was out of luck. He shouted, that's the roar. I'll fix them with a law. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache, tie a rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. The money kings in Cuba blow up the gunboat main, but block it off all angry and blamed it all on Spain. He went right in a battle and there he lost his length. And now he's peddling showstrings and he's walking on a pen. He shouts, remember Maine, hooray to hell with Spain. Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache, tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. Poor Block, he died one evening. I'm very glad to state He climbed the golden leather up to the pearly gate He said, oh, Mr. Peter, one word I'd like to tell I'd like to meet the Astorbilts and John D. Rockefeller Oh, Pete said, is that so? You'll meet them down below Oh, Mr. Block, you were born by mistake You take the cake You make me ache, tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. That last one was uh, Mr. Block. Uh, 
Mr. Block is a creation of an artist, an IWW artist. And before Mr. Block, we had... Let me get back here and dial it down. We had the last poets. And the last poets talking about the blues. And they're talking about the blues, how long they've had the blues, and all the different ways they've had the blues. For how long are people going to put up with having the blues? Before that, we had the tramp by Cisco Houston, who was a, uh, a friend and associate of um, Woody Guthrie. Cisco Houston was called up before the House Committee of Un-American Activities and accused with membership in the Communist Party, which he evidently was. Um, here's Mr. Block. Mr. Block tries to enter the courts. Now, Mr. Block is a creation of an IWW cartoonist. And Block kind of symbolized a certain type of person, you know, who wants to believe in the system, <clears throat> thinks that... Uh, things that he's told. He wants to believe the system works. Okay. Mr. Block is a United States comic character committed, commemorated in a song written by Joe Hill, uh, which we just heard. And Ernest Reba was the uh, cartoonist Mr. Block here joins the, the uh, AFL and he says this cements workers union care. This cement workers union card costs me $75. Okay. He's holding a union card and he says I had to borrow the money from my relatives, but it's worth it. The union promised me a long job. I am going to work now. And of course, it turns out that the union representative is in cahoots with the employer. Here's another Mr. Block cartoon. Block's walking along going to work and he says, some knocker told me that a poor man hasn't a chance in the courts against the rich man. It's a lie. There is justice before the law under the American flag and, and a car comes by and runs Mr. Block down. Ouch! I will sue you for damages. Honk, honk, the car goes goes to a lawyer and the lawyer is saying all kinds of bones broken and internal injuries besides fine that makes a nice case well I get justice all right says the battered block he's on crutches and bandages two years later 
The lawyer says, the case is decided in your favor, Mr. Block. And Block is holding the flag and he says, hurrah for justice. $100 in damages. My fee is $95. That leaves you $5, Mr. Block. And Block looks down at the flag that he's carrying and scowls and he says, uh, so much for patriotism. <laughs> Mr. Block. We'll have some more about Mr. Block. And here's one where he's um, throwing away the anarchist IWW paper. He says, this anarchist paper from Spokane is the limit. It says a working class man can't be get rich by saving his money. Taint so. Here's a respectable paper. It says everybody can be successful if he only makes up his mind. That's the dope. And of course the dope is Mr. Block for believing that, which is kind of an industry in the United States because capitalism always needs true believers and the way it gets true believers is by offering them the chance of getting rich. Capitalism in effect says to us, don't you want to have a chance to get rich? Under communism, under socialism, you don't have a chance to get rich. You can't be a mover and a shaker, an economic mover and a shaker. So, I mean, let's, let's keep having capitalism because you might have a chance to get rich. And how many of us believe that way back in our minds? How many of us believe that, that if we just got the right break, or if we happen on the right thing to sell, or if we got into the right situation with the right company, that we too could get rich? It's one of the myths that's sold to us uh, along with war. Okay, so people are saying Hillary Clinton is a viable candidate, I say, with Les McCann, compared to what?
the lie and lie the love Are hanging on me, push and shove Possession is the motivation That is hanging up the goddamn nation Looks like we always end up in a rut Everybody now trying to make it real Compared to what Slaughterhouses are killing hogs. Twisted children are killing frogs. Poor dumb rednecks rolling logs. Tired old ladies kissing dogs. I hate the human love of that stinking mud. I can't use it. Trying to make it real compared to what? Okay, that was Les McCann, and I, I had to cut Les short a little bit there. I do want to play this statement. Part of a speech made in 1917, I believe, by none other, none other than Eugene Victor Debs. This is the speech that got him thrown in jail. This was his speech about workers and World War I, read by Mark Ruffalo. Leader of the Socialist Party. On June 18, 1918, he addressed a mass rally of workers in Ohio knowing that his words could lead, as they did, to his arrest and imprisonment. His sentence of 10 years was upheld by unanimous Supreme Court decision. Here is the speech that led to his arrest. Sam Johnson declared that patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel. He must have had the Wall Street gentry in mind or at least their prototypes. For in every age, it has been the tyrant, the oppressor, and the exploiter who has wrapped himself in the cloak of patriotism, or religion, or both, <laughs> to deceive and overawe the people. Every solitary one of these aristocratic conspirators and would-be murderers claims to be an arch-patriot. Every one of them insists that the war is being waged to make the world safe for democracy. What humbug! What rot! What false pretense! Wars throughout history have been waged for conquest and plunder. In the Middle Ages, when the feudal lords concluded to enlarge their domains, to increase their power, their prestige, and their wealth, they declared, they declared war upon one another. 
But they themselves did not go to war any more than the modern feudal lords, the barons of Wall Street, go to war. The feudal barons of the Middle Ages, the economic predecessors of the capitalists of our day, declared all wars, and their miserable serfs fought all the battles. The poor, ignorant serfs have been taught to revere their masters, to believe that when their masters declared war upon one another, it was their patriotic duty to fall upon one another and to cut one another's throats for the profit and glory of the lords and barons who held them in contempt. And, and what is war in a nutshell? The master class has always declared the wars. The subject class has always fought the battles. <laughs> the master class has had all to gain and nothing to lose, while the subject class has had nothing to gain and all to lose, especially their lives. They have, always, they have always taught and trained you to believe it to be your patriotic duty to go to war and to have yourselves slaughtered at their command. But in all the history of the world, you, the people, have never had a voice in declaring war. And strange as it certainly appears, no war by any nation in any age has ever been declared by the people. The working class who fight all the battles, the working class who make the supreme sacrifices, the working class who freely shed their blood and furnish their corpses, have never yet had a voice in either declaring war or making peace. It is the ruling class that invariably does both. They alone declare war and they alone make peace. Yours not to reason why, yours but to do and die. That is their motto. And we object on the part of the awakening workers of this nation, if war is right, let it be declared by the people. Okay, time to sign off now on Labor and Love. Everybody have a happy Father's Day out there. I wish you a good week and good work. Shout outs to all of mine and all of yours as well. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the negotiating table, you're probably on the menu. Never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. This is the Labor and Love Show signing off. Stay tuned for Flat Black Plastic with my buddy Scott Walker. And I wish you a good week.
Can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby. Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Yeah, you. You look like the kind of person who has a sense of humor. Oh, is the radio talking to me? No, I'm on an internet podcast. I'm talking to an internet podcast? Don't be silly. It's a one-way form of communication. But I don't want you to miss out on the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2016 from March 2nd through 6th. And you don't have to. You can buy tickets now on universe.com with 24 national and international visiting comedians and 20 local hosts. You won't want to miss a thing. What if I can't be at every show? Don't worry. All shows will be available for free download at mutinyradio.fm until the internet falls apart. Oh, podcast God, I can't wait to listen to all these great comedy shows and everything else that's cool and MutinyRadio.fm before the internet falls apart. You too won't want to miss a bit of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival from March 2nd through 6th, 2016. Buy tickets now. Brought to you by Subliminal SF, PBR, The Eagle SF, Brainwash Cafe, Asiento, and the great people at Alta California Botanicals. Have you heard of Subliminal SF? Visual and auditory mind control. Graphic design, physical merchandise, live music promotions. Go! www.subliminalsf.com 
for the most amazing t-shirts you've ever seen. Graphic design for every need and live music promotion at some of the best bars in San Francisco. That's Subliminal SF, visual and auditory mind control. Go to SubliminalSF.com now. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak ceiling. Yes. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. 
rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk, come together with music from around the world, with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio, when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment, wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. Did you know that compact fluorescent light bulbs use 60% less energy than regular light bulbs? And that each one saves about 300 pounds of carbon dioxide a year. If all Americans switched to CFLs, we would save more than 90 billion pounds of carbon dioxide. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Muni Radio in San Francisco. Just on time. People from all over the Bay Area come to the Lindsay Wildlife Museum to experience close encounters with live wild animals. The museum's living collection features more than 50 species of non-releasable native California animals. Visitors can see and learn about wildlife such as eagles, owls, bobcats, coyotes, reptiles, and other fascinating creatures. The museum's world-renowned wildlife research